Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. Today with a long-term friend. Can you believe that, Jeff? It's been a long time. I think we met when I was 17, 18. We are 17, now long-term friends. I know, and you're an old guy now. I'm old. But you were a teenager when I first met you. I've seen some of the adventures that you've been through. I've invited you to be here at Live On Purpose Radio because of some of that experience. And folks who are listening, uh, just to give you a little bit of context, Jeff became a very wealthy, would you call yourself a millionaire back then, Jeff? Yeah. Um, You've introduced yourself that way before. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nice house, nice cars, everything was going great for you. You were were young. 19. 19. 19 when I hit my net worth right around there. When you hit that first uh, million mark. Yep. Does that just blow your mind to think about that? Yeah, it does. And, I mean, who out there who is 19 years old is in a position to do that? Well, you were. That's where you were. And then everything changed. Overnight. Jeff, you've uh, been introduced to my book, Pathological Positivity, and chapter one is titled Lightning Strikes. One of the reasons you and I know each other is because we... And in some of the same circles back then, we were experiencing some of the same prosperity. Yep. And then when the market and the economy changed, it left a lot of us in a position that was far less than millionaire status. Yes, that's, right. an, under, that's an understatement. <laughs> Do you care to uh, just paint a little picture for us about yeah, so, where you were and what happened? So, yeah, everything was great. Um, I was young and had money and everything was great. And then in 2008, we obviously know what happened, especially those of us who are in real estate, the market Mm -hmm. collapsed. Um, We were in a sector that was hit the worst, which was the low to medium income housing, which Mm -hmm. was the number one hit market. Um, And it happened very quickly. Um, It wasn't a, it wasn't a gradual thing that anyone could foresee. It was just something that happened. Yeah. Um, I was all about leverage, leverage, leverage. And I leveraged myself to no end to be able to make more money. And then it turned into um, when the market crashed, it just happened overnight, lost everything. And it was a very uh, humbling experience. Super humbling. I tell you what. Learned a lot. I, I had a client recently, Jeff, who told me there's two kinds of people. There are those who are humble and those who are about to be. True. Life has a way of handing up experiences to you. For sure. As you went through the crash, Jeff, here you were, a very young man yep. uh, who had already experienced uh, just some crazy levels of prosperity and wealth. Um, suddenly, the status changes and you're basically out on the street. Yep. And you had to start over. Yep. Um, you have since then built... Um, what I might call 
one of the leading examples of of how to succeed in door-to-door sales. Yeah. In fact, you've been in the door-to-door sales industry since that time. Yeah, about a decade now. That's a little weird too, because most people don't last in that industry that long. Yeah, there's there's only a handful of us that have been around that long. It's a very, very small group of us. And you started from the very ground level. Yep. Uh, First year rep, 2008, knocking doors right after the market collapsed, married yeah. with a child, moved my family across the country and a little tiny car that I bought for a thousand bucks, a little Honda Civic, drove it across the country with mm-hmm. what little bit we had left over from the collapse Yeah, and went to work, put my head down and grinded it out. What was that like? Can you just paint a picture for us? Yeah. So it was super difficult. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, uh, I was out on the doors every single day, hundred degree weather in South Carolina. Humidity is through the roof. Um, it's in the middle of the summer. I was doing the summer sales programs that are really popular here in Utah. Um, and you know, you have all these college kids there, you know, while they're sitting there eating their lunch at whatever they're eating, um, at whatever restaurant, you know, I'm out walking around in the parking lot with a Walmart bag with a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it on my cell phone and mm-hmm. dealing with um, all the collateral damage that I left behind in Utah back, mm. you know, and we, I was in the process of filing bankruptcy and I was taking all those negative phone calls. I was taking all the creditor calls, all the, everybody we owed money for our construction company and our business. And it was difficult. Um, because on top of that, not only did I have to deal with that, but I also had to put that phone down afterwards and I had to stay positive and knock on doors again for eight more hours afterwards mm-hmm. and, and be successful and make money at the same time. So it was uh, getting rejection on the doors is already hard enough. But if you have to deal with it also in your personal life, on top of dealing with it on the doors, it, uh, it, it's, it's extremely challenging. This circumstance, this situation that you found yourself in, uh, Jeff, you'd never really planned on being there. No, I, if you would have told me that I would have been doing door to door sales for a decade, knocking doors, I would have laughed. I, I it sounds obscene there's, when there's you put no it that way. way. Yeah. It sounds crazy. But you've learned some principles along the way that have allowed you to not only succeed in that industry, but to recover from uh, the hit that you took earlier as a young man. Yes. Um, open that up. What are some of the principles that you've discovered? Yeah. So there's a book, Prosperity Paradigm by Steve D'Annunzio. And anybody that knows me or has known me long enough knows that there's probably three key principles that I try to live by. And it's remember God, choose love, create value. And that's something that is, I just repeat all the time. I've read that book probably 20 times over my life. And Steve used to give out wristbands that yeah, said, I wore, that. I wore one for years until it finally broke. And I've been trying to get my hands on those, but they're just nowhere to be found anymore. Hmm. But you know, and, and it, the reason why is, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be from a religious standpoint. I think we all have to look up to the stars of something higher than us to mm-hmm. keep us humble and keep us in check. Yeah. Uh, the second one is um, family comes first before work. Um, and you have to put your oxygen mask on before you help others. So, you know, remember God, you got to take care of yourself. 
Um, and again, that doesn't have to be religious. It's just whatever you feel is kind of a higher up. Yeah. But I think we all have to look at something a little bit higher and then creating value. I mean, I, I live by the producer code and I, every time I sit down and evaluate a situation or talk to somebody, the question is, is am I adding more value to this person or this situation that I'm taking away? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you're adding value, you're a producer. If you're taking away value, you're a consumer. So those are some key principles that I, I try to live by. Um, so that, that I would say a lot of those are stuff I've learned from you, stuff I learned from, uh, along, um, a friend of mine, Fremont Woodward, who has now passed, but, uh, taught mm-hmm. me all that stuff when I was a young kid. And the number one question I probably get actually the most is, is one, would you do anything different? Would you do it differently? Yeah. And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And if you would ask me that 10 years ago, I would have said, yeah, I would have done a lot of things differently. And it was just all about the perspective that I was in at the time. But looking back now, absolutely not. I learned more in that short period of time mm-hmm. um, at 19, eight, you know, 19, 20 years old than most people do in a lifetime. And I feel really fortunate and blessed that I was able to have that type of education at such a young age because it's really yeah. set me up in some of my business decisions in the future. It came at a high cost. That's and I my joke is is that's the most expensive. I have the most expensive education in America. Hey, if you're gonna pay that much tuition, you better darn well take home the lessons. You got it. So that is a it's a very the most the most pronounced and um, lifelong lessons are learned the best when it affects your pocketbook. Yeah. So great college education. So no, I would not change anything now. Um, and I, everything that I've learned from that, I try to apply. That is so profound, Jeff. I've talked to so many people who have had a variety of experiences. And I think wisdom is when we couple knowledge with experience. And you can have all of the, all of the knowledge in the world, but until you add that experience, it doesn't really sink in. Yeah, and... I used to, and there was a, a term that knowledge is power. We've heard that a lot. Yeah. Um, but knowledge is actually um, the power. The part of that is applied knowledge. It's not just knowledge. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're referencing. Once you have the life experiences to kind of apply that in, mm-hmm. that's where it gets powerful. That's where you can actually show some, some success. You can actually show, show some progression. Yeah. Jeff, we were having lunch earlier and you said something that stuck with me. You said, everything is sales. Yes. Where were you going with that? So this is a hard concept for people to rationalize. And it's a hard thing for people to hear because they like to say, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And once you wrap your mind around this simple concept, it'll kind of play tricks with you a little bit because you're always wondering if I'm being sold or if I'm selling them. Mm. Um, this comes down to your family. This comes down to, there's always an exchange. We talk about an exchange. Yeah. You can use the word exchange or you can use the word sale. You can use whatever you want. You're trading your time with that individual, um, or monetary value, whatever it is. If it's Mm -hmm. family, if it's work, if whatever it is, um, there's always a sale happening. So it just depends on kind of where you want to be on that. And we were actually in a restaurant, um, where the customer service was amazing. The owner was there. The owner was talking to everybody. It's Joe's Cafe. Those I have guys. featured Joe on this show. Yeah, so Joe was, um, he 
He subconsciously, I don't think he understands exactly what he's doing, if I'm being honest, but he is so positive. He, he is, he's radiant. His experience, he's so enthusiastic and it rubs off on his customers and it's attractive and it's very attractive. Enthusiasm is such a powerful thing. And so, you know, he's, he's selling, I I'm sold. I will be going back to Joe's cafe. Um, Uh and I'm sold. So, and it, and I'm okay with that. Um, everybody, as long as you understand, there's one part of this that people miss. No one likes to be sold, but everybody likes a good deal. Everyone wants to buy. Everyone wants to buy and everyone wants a good, they don't want to be sold. They don't want to admit they're being sold. But you think about it when you refer somebody over, you don't say, oh yeah, the salesman, the salesman sold me on this. The sold, 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 sold me on this product. You don't say any of that. You say, it's a great product. I feel like I really got a great value, a great, a great experience. Yeah. And you always say, I got a great deal. Everyone loves a great deal, but nobody likes to be sold. And as long as you can have, when you're talking with whatever you're doing in business and family and life, as long as the other person on the other end feels like they're getting a good deal and they're not being taken advantage of or sold, yeah, that's a win-win. You have just set up a great conversation that as we come back from this break, let's dig into some of the principles that you've discovered as they relate to sales specifically. Can we do that? Yeah, sure. No problem. Awesome. You guys, this is Jeff Fabian at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash Live On Purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back. Jeff Fabian at Live On Purpose Radio today. It's about time, Jeff. It has been a long time coming. Don't you think? You had me back on your radio station <sighs> forever ago when we were doing the, when we were teaming up a little bit with the guys at the producer generation. Oh, and, yeah. That know, was, was when we were doing live radio, wasn't Live it? radio. I was on your live radio station forever ago. Yeah. You the were, last time. You were like this junior achiever back then. Yeah. It was... <laughs> It's a long is, time ago. You know what? And that's beautiful. It has just become part of your story. And now as an industry leader in door-to-door sales. How does that sound, by the way? It's It feels weird when you say it like that, but it's it's cool. But it's actually true. You've been involved with multiple companies. Um, lately, that's mostly on an executive level. Yep. Um, because of all of your experience, you've outlasted most people in the industry. And I think one of the reasons for that, Jeff, as I've observed you and who you are and how you think is because you've reframed sales in your mind to represent the production of and exchange of value. Correct. So you didn't deny that. I wonder if you could elaborate on that. Yeah. So I learned a long time ago from a bunch of mentors, including yourself uh, at a young age that um, sales in general, and I, and I reframe it with the word sales. It's just kind of how I've, um, approached it for the last decade, but 
there's a, there's always a value exchange. Um, you know, it, you you value a pen more than you value the money that you're ba- paying for it. Um, whatever that situation is, um, and you just have to find when you're in sales um, what the customer's hot button is. We refer it as a hot button. You can rephrase that into what do they value. And so we use a lot of question based selling for the customer. Um, and instead of me, basically the, the typical persona of a door to door salesman or any salesman in general is pushing something on you that you don't want to buy. And they're right. aggressive. That's the persona. Um, if you change that persona and you change it to question based selling and asking the customer questions that will extract what they value then you can hone in on that and you can fill that void or that value that they need with your product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a a small example, you know, I've done alarms forever. A small example of that is, is instead of just saying, you really need a security system. You really need a security system, Dr. Paul, this, you know, Mm -hmm. this neighborhood and what that's the total wrong way of going about that. You're offending that person. First of all, about their neighborhood. It'd be like you saying, it'd be like you saying, Jeff, What's going? Or you'd be like Jeff. Your Chicago Bulls—they've been horrible since Michael Jordan left. Yeah. The very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to be like, "Of course, hey, don't talk about my Bulls that way," you know. Right. And I'm going to get defensive. You can reframe that same exact word or that same exact question or sentence, and you can say, "Jeff, what's going on with your Bulls? There hasn't been a lot going on since Jordan left. Like, what's going on? What do you think is mm-hmm. the problem with the Bulls organization?" Now watch what that's going to happen. Now I'm going to tell you the exact things you were going to tell me and you were going to force them on me, but now I'm telling you what the problems are. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, it's not what you say, it's how you're saying it. And so we use question-based selling and I was going to give an example in alarms. We, you know, if, if in a, in an event of an emergency, which one would you be more concerned about? Is it burglary, fire, or a medical emergency? Which one of those would you be the most concerned about? And so now what I'm doing is, is I'm not focusing any, if they say, well, oh, I'm really concerned about a fire. Well, that's interesting that you say that your neighbor down the street said the same exact thing. Why would you say that? Mm-hmm. And now they're telling me, oh, I would be concerned about a fire because of my children are upstairs. Well, let's go take a look at that. What we can do is put a smoke detector at the top of the stairway. So it'll go off, notify the kids. It'll call the fire department automatically and see now we're having a very, productive conversation where they've expressed an area that they value that I'm addressing with one of our products. Right. Rather than me saying, Oh, you know, I'm forcing it on them. Have you guys thought about a fire? What would happen? And all of a sudden that's a negative conversation. We've, I've turned it into it's their conversation. It's their idea. They're the ones that are looking at, Hey, how is this going to value my family? And I'm filling that void. So that, that it's just a different way of approaching the job when you look at it as how can I add value to this customer, not how can I sell them a product? Which if is you, really more focused, self-focused. It's if you're there to get the sale, who is that about? You, hundred yeah. percent. It's about I need the money, I need the sale, I need the numbers, and people will smell that from a mile away. Yeah. So in the industry, we there's there's a word for that. It's called commission breath. Ah, yep. They will smell that a mile away. You're exactly right. Oh, it Um, stinks too. And it does. It does stink. And if you can change that persona in your brain to dollars follow value, you add value first, the dollars will follow. It feels backwards in the beginning, 
But once you see the fruits of that labor and putting the customer first, it, it's, it, it'll transform the, the entire way you sell. I had a, a fascinating conversation recently with Bob Berg. He's the author of a book called The Go-Giver. Mm-hmm. And Bob put it this way. He said, money is the thunder to the value of lightning or to the lightning of value. That's amazing. So value is the lightning. Money is the thunder. And it always follows. Yep. The thunder doesn't come first. Yep. But it will be there when the value is present. Yeah. Um, so your secret sauce here seems to be focus on the value. Focus on the value. And providing that value to a customer, not trying to get something from them. Yeah. So in the industry, they like to call what's called a numbers game. There's two. There's a lot of different players in this space. And in the numbers game, it is a true concept. Um, there is a sale or two on every single street. You just play the numbers. And it's called the law of averages, which you're very familiar with. But at the same time, there's also something to say about efficiency. So mm-hmm. if you can work smarter and not harder and I can go out and knock, you know, 10 doors to get five sales and it takes you 100 doors to get two. There's obviously something different there. And I and I think the biggest difference that I do and there's a small there. There also, by the way, is a very small percentage of people that sell this way. Um, they're, they're just working more efficiently with the customers that they have in front of them versus mm-hmm. playing the law of averages. Right. The law of averages works really well when you're new. Uh, but over time, uh, you'll develop that concept of just, okay, how can I add as much value to this customer? And that's really where you're going to see a lot of success in that industry. That would right. be one of my major key points. I think as we understand that we're all in this together... Think about it, Jeff. Can you do anything on your own? Absolutely not. I asked one of my clients this recently, and he said, well, of course I can. Oh, really? Like what? Well, I get dressed on my own. Really? Using what? Right? Clothing Mm -hmm. you made Mm -hmm. from fabrics that you created, from fibers that you harvested, And he rolled his eyes a little bit, kind of like, well, of course I buy my clothes. Well, that implies an exchange, doesn't it? Of course. We're all in this together. The only moral reason that anybody should give money to you, if you're a salesperson, and we all are, according to Jeff Fabian. um, There's always a sale happening. The only moral reason for anyone to give money to you is that you created value for them. That was greater than what they're exchanging. Otherwise, it's not a free exchange. Correct. Otherwise, they've been sold and they didn't get a good deal. Check it out, Jeff. Would it be moral or right to withhold that from them? You're holding value that they want or value more than their money. Would it be moral to withhold it from them? It would be immoral. Is that kind of an intense way to say that? Yeah, it is. But it's true. <laughs> but it's it, you're insisting on hanging on to something that they want more than what they have. What if you were to engage in an exchange? Then you both end up with something you wanted more than you had coming into the exchange and, in the first an, and place. another really important concept on that too is in sales you also have to remember um 
everybody, like I said, we're all in sales, no matter what you're doing. Um, you are, um, my, my point where I'm going with this is, is if you can provide a good value for your customer versus mm-hmm. what they exchanged and they feel like they got a good deal. Well, now our efficiency rating goes through the roof and why? People what is make, that customer going to do? People want to make that trade all day long. Well, they're also going to talk. And they're going to refer. And they're going to refer. Exactly. So yeah. this is where efficiency starts coming into play. You can have a bunch of customers that just don't, they hate the product they got and they don't feel like it fits their needs and whatever you're selling. And all you're going to do is just have a bunch of bad customers. Or you can be yeah. really efficient with your time and work with a few individuals and create a great experience and create tremendous value for them, and it will reciprocate. You mentioned our uh, our lunch meeting today. Yes. At Joe's Cafe. Chef Joe Hicks, dear friend of mine. Why is he a dear friend of mine? Because he takes good care of me. And I feel loved when I go into his space, and he, he Absolutely. goes out of his way to make sure that I have a great experience. In fact, the podcast episode I did with, with Joe is called Cooking Up an Experience. Mm-hmm. And you can go listen to that interview that I had with Joe. But what you said is so true, because when I have a friend come into town from North or South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina, you from, got it from the Carolinas somewhere. Where am I going to take him to lunch? Joe's automatically. I'm taking you to Joe's, Jeff. Why? Because I care about you. Yep. And I know Joe's going to take good care of you if I take you in there. Yep. Joe didn't have to go knock on your door. But now that I've taking, taken you to him because of how he took care of me, he's got a new customer. Yep. And are you likely to take somebody there? Of course. Nothing like good old soul food from the South. So Joe's wall is wallpapered with photos of him with his happy customers. Thousands of them. Th- They're thousands. everywhere. I mean, he's been there for however many years he's been there. He has such a loyal clientele. He fit, and it's a hole in the wall, isn't it? Yep. But he packs that place every day because of exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really important with that, though, is one thing I've noticed from Joe is um, he's not afraid of objection. So I think there's one thing in sales that everybody mm-hmm. it's, it's the it's the subject that gets swept underneath the rug that no one likes to talk about, and it's yeah. the rejection part. Um, one of the number one, number one and two fears in America is public speaking one and two is fear of, uh, rejection or objection. And so, um, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that people fear the speaking. Yes. Because they don't fear the speaking as much as they fear. Well, what if people don't like me? Correct. Yep. They don't fear speaking. They fear speaking poorly. Yeah. And so in this industry, the reason why it's so small is because, um, there's there's a very small 1%, 2% of people that can actually succeed at the door-to-door space, and it's because they don't allow the objection to get to them. Um, mm. So that, that would be probably the second piece of advice um, on top of some of the principles that I brought over from what we did in the past mm-hmm. is the second one is you just cannot be afraid of rejection. Joe did, was not afraid of objection when he ran up to me all you know, happy I was a customer and yeah. Hooting and hollering in his restaurant with all of his customers like he didn't care. He's not afraid of object or, you know, rejection. Yes. Um, he is who he is and he provides a great service and he's not afraid to show that. And yeah. he's not afraid of if somebody doesn't like it. And so that that's another thing I noticed with Joe. And that's another thing I've noticed in door to door is you just cannot let that get to you. 
Um, we have a we have a yeah. um, a technique we use on the doors, which is called you leave it on the doorstep. And mm-hmm. so what that means is, is when you knock on the door and that door shuts, you're allowed to be frustrated. You have the right to from the time you get from that door down their sidewalk. And as soon as you touch the sidewalk, you're not on their property anymore and you can't be mad anymore. Leave it there. Leave it on the doorstep and go to the next home because you, if you bring that with you, it carries from door to door to door. These people see you frustrated. They don't see you enthusiastic. And they don't now see not you only passionate. do you have commission breath, now you you've got fear face, fear, anger, anxiety. <laughs> you have all these emotions going through your system and yeah. no one's going to buy a product from you that way. Jeff, I love that we've been able to apply your specific experience in door-to-door sales to some principles, I think, that are much more universal. Yeah, Uh, governing. And I would invite any of you who are listening to just think about how this applies to your business, um, which might be the business of your family and your relationships. It might be an actual business that you own, or maybe you're in direct sales or network marketing. Um, useful principles that I think will help to carry us forward. Let me touch base on that before we go. Um, one, yeah. one thing that I've used, um, <laughs> this sounds horrible, but, uh, um, these principles do apply in your family setting in your marriage. Yes, um, they there do. is there, there's an example I use with my sales reps that are married and have kids and stuff. And, um, it's called question based selling. Just what I just explained. Mm-hmm. Um, I never give my, uh, wife, Julie, or my kids, uh, it's just kind of a habit. I never really give them a yes, no question. I don't mm-hmm. ask yes, no questions. I ask questions with options. So if I'm asking, if you're, if you're single and you're out dating mm-hmm. and you are, um, trying to ask a girl out on a date, mm-hmm. you don't say, Hey, do you want to go on a date with me? That's a yes, no it's question. Yes, no. And the human reaction is to say, no, you could tell somebody here's a million dollars and they would say, no, because they fear something about well, but, it. And it's yeah. a natural reaction to say no. So to anything you, different. Exactly. And so you just shift that conversation and it's not what you say. Again, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. So let's switch it. And I say, honey, let's go to a movie tonight. I said, we're going. Mm-hmm. And I also say, do you want to go to Titanic or do you want to go to Transformers? Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, I'd like to see Titanic. Okay, do you want to go at six or do you want to go at eight? Mm-hmm. I want to go at eight. Perfect. We'll go at eight to we'll go at eight to Titanic. Yeah. So it, it's a couple questions in there, and it and it works really well with children. Instead of setting them up to tell right. you no, would you like to take a shower or a bath tonight? Instead of you need to get in the shower. Either way, you're no. getting clean. <laughs> Either way, you're getting in. I didn't give you a yes no question. Yeah. I gave you. Right. Options. And you're going to pick an option. You can't. How do you say yes, no to do you want to get in the mm-hmm. shower or do you want to get in the bath? Mm-hmm. You say no. It doesn't even make sense. So the, the, the child's not even processing it. They right. just say, I got to pick one. I'll pick the shower tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of a sudden we don't have an argument. They're in the shower. <laughs> so we could expand. This Funny how that works. A whole discussion about parenting and <laughs> marital relations. Jeff, it really th- does apply in everything. Sales is everything. Thank you for your insight and input today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having it's me. It's been a pleasure to have you here on the show. You guys, hopefully you've picked up something from this conversation. I know I have. 
<laughs> and these kinds of conversations are always so fun as we talk about the principles that can change our life. It's now time for you to go out there and live on purpose. Mm-hmm.